In 2019, much of the federal technology and acquisition news contained four-letter words, Jedi, Dios, and CMMC. The sometimes thrilling and sometimes nearly unbelievable narrative that surrounded those and many other topics came out loud and clear in our coverage and our interviews over the last 12 months. Federal News Network's Jason Miller sat down with Tom Temin to discuss the federal IT and acquisition year that was and what to expect in 2020. And Jason, you and I and a few others in town can see the drama and excitement of federal information technology, but it has been an interesting year, and I think your series of reporters' notebooks have reflected that. Let's talk about which ones were most popular. This is based on our readers and the number of links that people clicked on, so I could tell you which ones were most popular for me, Tom, but this is what our readers told us. And number one, which is not surprising, is about the Defense Information Systems Agency and the consolidation of the Fourth Estate. Now, this has been one of those news stories that have been ongoing for several years, but I think what happened in 2019 is it really started to come together where you started to see the the how the new what quote unquote fourth estate will look. And one of the big storylines from that was the savings that the DIS expected, something like $170 million from this consolidation, which includes big agencies within DOD like the Defense Contract Management Agency and the Defense Logistics Agency, but it also includes a lot of the smaller offices. And I think anytime you have a quote unquote reorganization and it's not the big reorganization like you're seeing from the administration, but a smaller one within DOD, it, it gets it gets a lot of, of attention. And it's also a perennial for DOD. I mean, I can remember years when DISA itself was the one that was going to be absorbed into some other fourth estate entity. So these things do have a cyclicality to them. And in fact, in, in 2018, there was a lot of discussion whether DISA would go away or not, right. because Congress, somebody got to be in their bonnet in Congress to say, you know, maybe we don't even need DISA anymore, or they should do something else. So I thought that was really interesting that they flipped the script and said, now they're going to get even bigger in many ways. Right. What else was popular? Another big one was uh, the, the headline that I think I wrote, that you wrote, uh, the end of the worst website in government is near. And this is about my, my big soapbox I've been on many times, the, the end of Fed biz ops. Tom, it went away. But I think that story really showed that the GSA was struggling to get that off their books, so to speak, to, to turn it off, to move it over to beta.sam.gov, which they have. Uh, beta.sam.gov is not perfect. There's a lot of areas that need to be improved, including the search capabilities. People have to get used to it. But that story itself was very popular because everybody uses, we're, we're used to use FedBizOps, and they realized that it hadn't been updated in felt like 15 or 18 years. Sure, and they needed an update. I mean, they needed a contemporary site for all of this information. And yes, imperfect as it is, it's starting at a whole new base level that should keep them you know, well served, I think, for a long time. A couple other big stories from my reporter's notebooks I'll just highlight that I think stood out. One was the reporting that my colleague and I, uh, Jared Serbu, did on the Jedi. Again, one of those four-letter words you mentioned earlier. And Jedi, this was the first time we were able to name who that third executive that was caught up in this entire process. We knew of two of them, right? Uh, Deep Ube was one. We finally were able to name the third one, which in this case was Victor Gavin. So that was a big story. The other one was when the Department of Health and Human Services uh, Program Support Center, the other PSC is our friends from the Professional Services Council, likes to call them, decided to just all of a sudden shut down their assisted acquisition services, putting more than a billion dollars in contracts at risk. And I think that was another big one because, again, it affected so many different people. Uh, and and that, that is still ongoing. Tom, in 2020, I can guarantee you I'll probably have another story on that one. I think you will. And IT modernization, cybersecurity were common themes in the CIO interviews. By the way, we're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Which CIO interviews rose to the top? This was a little surprising, not because of the topic, but because of what the, what the interview was about. In this case, it was the National Security Agency's 
uh, Codebreaker Challenge. Now, this is an annual competition that they have where they ask uh, college and high school students to break code, and and then they see who wins, and and, and in the end, they try to recruit those people. And I think this rose to the top for two reasons. Uh, The first is NSA, always a very popular story. Anytime we write about or or interview NSA folks, they they do very well. People want to know what NSA is doing. And the second thing is cybersecurity is one of those challenges, again, that cuts across every agency. And if NSA has a way to fill much-needed skill gaps, to, to look for ways to hire new people, I think other agencies will take notice and go, hmm, maybe we should follow their lead in some way or, or beg, borrow, and steal from them. So that was one of the most popular ones. Second came in was another DOD, this time the Army. And this was my interview with General Crawford, the Army CIO, where I highlighted their work on artificial intelligence. Now, Tom, I'm not sure if AI or RPA or machine learning gets the buzzword of the year award, but it's going to be one of those from 2019 because anytime you go to any conference, any discussion, one of those or all three of those popped up. People do use those terms interchangeably. They're not exactly the same thing, but they are. they do have in common the idea of software which learns and changes its own code as it goes, as it, which is different from just plain old automation. Absolutely, and I think that one of the themes that I saw throughout the my CIO interviews was how every CIO mentioned this idea of, hey, I'm, I'm starting to test this out, pilot it out. I'm working with other parts of the mission areas, whether it's the CFOs or whether it's the chief acquisition officers to test out this new technology. One of my top ones, uh, number 10, to be honest, was a, a, my interview with Jose Arrieta before he became the CIO at HHS right. when he was still in acquisition, but they were using blockchain for the new contract writing system. And that was a very innovative technology approach to say, hey, how can we ensure that the data within the acquisition system is good, is accurate, is not being changed by, you know, at any one time to, to confuse, to disrupt the process. But most of the interviews for Ask CIO, the popular ones, Tom, were really focused on cybersecurity. Now, that surprised me as well. My Again, go back to DISA. They want to keep uh, cyber attackers uh, locked in the web browser. That, that was a imp- uh, popular one. And then another one was a Sandia National Lab interview I did about their synthetic network. Basically, a honeypot, which is, hey, let's Laurel, let's get attackers in and see what they do. But this one was one that was dynamic. So it changed. Mm-hmm. So it kept the attackers in so you could really follow them and see what they were doing. Uh, there was uh, another one just real quick on on. DISA, again, and Cyber Command on Zero Trust, another potential buzzword uh, award winner for uh, 2019. So as you see, cybersecurity always, always very popular. All right. You've laid a good groundwork then for what is going to happen in 2020. I can't believe it's a new decade. I can't believe I remember the year 2000 conversion when we all sat up all night to see if the world would end. It didn't. And here we are now in 2020. What do you see ahead? There's a couple themes of 2020 that I think we have to start with. And I think the first one would be supply chain. Yep. We, we talk a lot about it. It's been something we've been covering for, since probably 2017. But but I think in 2020, you're going to see two things really pop through. One of those other four-letter words, CMMC, the Cyber Maturity Model Certification that DOD is pushing. At the same time, you're going to have the Federal Security Council come up with their recommendations around acquisition and how to improve the supply chain and acquisition combination. So that's something you got to watch. The other, And I think a lot of the agencies are looking to see if the CMMC – has more grip 
and more staying power and longevity than the original software development maturity models from the 90s. I think they're also looking for whether if something starts in DOD, whether that bleeds into the civilian world. Yep. And I will tell you, it probably will. I think that's a good prediction. Anything else? IT modernization will continue to be hot. And I think in many ways, Tom, this is a big year for the Technology Modernization Fund, the TMF. Congress has not been a overwhelming supporter of it. They got $25 million more in 2020. They had asked for something like $150 million from the White House. That's not unusual for Congress to always you know, sure. push back on that. But the Senate had zeroed it out for a second year in the row. And I think two things have to happen. I think OMB really has to be more aggressive in explaining to Congress the benefits and the, the success stories of the TMF. And second, I think that the GAO report that just came out in December, that could really put a big damper on the TMF going forward. And I think that some of those narratives have got to be changed from OMB and agencies. So I think we'll have a lot to see around TMF. The third thing is, is this is the end of the administration. Will we get turnover in certain high important roles? Right. The federal CIO, as an example, Suzette Kent, she's been there several years now. This is her third year. Will she make it to the end of the administration if she should leave? And I have no way to know if she will. But if she should leave, sure. what does that do? Does that put a kind of a holding pattern on federal C- on, on, on federal IT? And then we know the deputy federal CIO, Margie Graves, yes, indeed. left. Which a story you broke just a few days ago. And whether or not who comes in to replace her and how that person, the career person, can keep the trains running and initiatives moving forward. Federal News Network's Jason Miller talking with Tom Temin. More on CMMC later this hour. You can check out Jason's ongoing coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.